Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. Tonight, stories from a lost tome. I'll explain, I'll get into it. As I discuss Basilica, Iowa, and Elk Creek, Wisconsin. All that and more on Small Town Secrets. Everybody and welcome to uh, the new season, season six, with episode six point zero one. Yes, that's right. The pattern holds. Uh, a lot of new stuff going on. A uh, new computer, a new monitor for said computer. Uh, there's two of them. Uh, I've tweaked some things as far as like you'll be seen, especially on like social media side. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
do little little tweaks, little facelifts to the artwork and you know the YouTube stuff when we put that stuff on the show and all of that. Just uh, making some uh, little improvements that I've kind of wanted to do for a couple of seasons, but never sat down and did it. Just just little things, nothing big, but that's kind of what season six has already sprung upon me. And uh, I wanted to start, so I'll explain this whole tome thing. It's not nearly as cool as I make it sound. It's really just about a book that I forgot that I bought. That's all that it is. So, picture it. Mothman Festival, 2018. Uh, I buy a couple of books from the Backroads lore, guys. Uh, I'm going to link all their stuff and, and Chad Lewis, who I'll get into a little bit here. All that stuff in the show notes. But I bought two books from them. Because it was like a buy one, get one half off thing. I bought... The Van Meter Visitor, which I used in the very first episode of the show, was my primary source for, well, the Van Meter Visitor. I also bought another book. This one was called The Most Gruesome Hauntings of the Midwest. And uh, when I got home, that book somehow, like, got lost. It had found its way behind other books. You know how, like, Bookshelves usually, especially with a lot of paperback books, a lot of room on those shelves are kind of, they can get very deep. And so this was behind a bunch of other books, and I had completely forgot about it, completely forgot I had bought it. And then over the uh, quarantine, I was moving some stuff around, moving some bookshelves, moving books from one bookshelf to another, stuff like that. And I found this book. And like, so I had bought this book before I had even you know, done this show, like thought about the idea, you know, really sat down and worked out the idea of it and everything. And so I start flipping through this book and it is just a treasure trove for this show. Like most of these chapters could be used for the show. So I was like, that's the first episode. I went through and I found a couple, one very well known, the other one not so well known that I thought had enough meat to, uh, get into on this main show. And so here we are. But as I sat down and read through these chapters and did some research for these two topics, I realized uh, there's a much better theme for uh, this show, for the topics on this show. And that theme is, other than just finding a lost book I forgot I bought, is uh, hauntings that have derived from an unsolved murder. So both of these stories deal with that. Of course, there is uh, the Vasilika Axe Murder House uh, that probably many have heard about, but I really wanted to do it on this show. It's, a place, it's one of those other places that I really want to get to one day. And then I want to talk about the uh, Elk Creek Dam in Elk Creek, Wisconsin, and uh, the haunting that seems to be around that area and is most likely, or at least in, the ta in many people's eyes, linked to an unsolved murder that happened in 1974. So those are the two topics, the two towns for tonight for this first episode. And then, of course, we'll have some news. And then I have an interview with uh, Garrett Kelly and Jeremy Puma, uh, the guys behind the Liminal Map or the Liminal Earth Project, which is an awesome project where you can go. It's a website where you can go, you can submit your own sighting, your own story, and uh, they will vet it. 
and put it on the liminal map for everyone to see. They are just kind of cataloging and uh, displaying all of these strange and weird tales. Uh, so we get into that. We get into some strange and weird tales uh, of their own and some of their favorites. And just, it was a great conversation. It was a fun, laid back conversation. Probably about 45 minutes or so. So just uh, one of the best ones I think I've ever had. One of the, you know, just, it just felt like a conversation. It didn't feel like an interview. So that is coming up in the Your Small Town Secret section. So I think that's all I've got for the beginning of season six. So let's, uh, let's just get into the rest of the show. Now, from Edward October, comes a completely new kind of retro horror experience. A journey into the bizarre and horrifying world where nightmare and nostalgia coexist. October Pod. It saturates your streaming device with terror. Is one of these coeds the disciple of an elder demon? Or are they just playing occult games? Not so innocent occult games. Eager to test the limits of experience. An elder demon is stalking. October Pod, a retro horror show for bold individualists. Available now on YouTube and at OctoberPodVHS.com. Before we get into tonight's topics, I want to take a minute and let you know that there is so much more small town secrets to enjoy. Check out the Patreon. There are one, two, and three dollar tiers of support with stuff like a shout out on the main show, exclusive buttons and stickers, MP3s to the music I create, also an ad slash promo free version of the main show as well as STS Backroads, the Patreon-only podcast that comes out in the off weeks, which means you'll get content every week, all in your own RSS feed. There is all of this and more. To sign up, go to patreon.com slash stscast or stscast.com and click on the support tab. And now, on with tonight's episode. So before I get into uh, Velisca and the Velisca Axe Murder House, I just want to mention that this book was written by Chad Lewis, who is also a paranormal investigator. I just want to let everyone know that because I will be mentioning his name a couple of times, especially in the second part when we talk about uh, the Elk Creek Dam, because he that was his that was a big investigation for him. So a lot of the information that I have about it derives from his experiences in the book and what he found out investigating himself. So I just wanted to preface that before we get into it. But let's start tonight's episode with uh, with the Velisca Axe Murder House. The small town of Velisca, Iowa, population 1,252, lies in the southwest of Iowa in Montgomery County. And this small and sleepy place is known across the country 
for one thing. It is known for the uh, Villisca Axe Murder House. It all began on a Sunday, June 9th, 1912, when the Moore family, whom lived at the house, and members of the Stillinger family were participating in the local Presbyterian Church's Child's Day program, which started that evening at 8 p.m. Lena and Ina Stillinger left their home and their parents to go to the Child's Day program with plans of spending the evening with their grandmother. However, during the church service, they were asked by Catherine Moore to spend the night at their house, and so their plans changed. After the program, which ended at around 9.30 p.m., Josiah and Sarah Moore walked home along with their children, Catherine, Boyd, Paul, and Herman, as well Lena and Ina Stillinger. It is surmised that they got home somewhere around 10 p.m., and the last time anyone would see the eight alive was at that Child's Day program. The next morning, around 5 a.m., the Moore's next-door neighbor, Mary Peckham, awoke, and a couple of hours later, she went out to hang a load of laundry. She noticed that the Moores were not out and about doing the morning chores, or all the stuff that she had seen them do a hundred times before. Everything next door seemed too quiet. It seemed too still. Growing concerned, she knocked on the Moore's door and got no response. She then contacted Josiah's brother, Ross. It would be Ross who would discover the bodies. After he arrived, he made an attempt to wake up his brother's family, but when that did not work, he used his keys to gain entry. Uh, so he went inside, and uh, Mary Peckman waited on the porch. And when he entered the home, he found the two bodies of the Illis sisters in a downstairs bedroom. The Moore family were all found dead upstairs in their respective bedrooms. They had all been killed with an axe found at the home. Josiah had been attacked with the blade of the axe, but it seems everyone else had been bludgeoned to death with the other end of said axe. The axe was found in the room downstairs with the Stillinger sisters. An attempt had been made to wipe it of blood. There was other evidence as well. There were marks on the ceilings in the upstairs bedrooms, most likely made from the swinging of the axe. Uneaten food was found on the kitchen table, as well as a slab of bacon which was found in the room with the axe, perhaps stolen from the icebox. A piece of a keychain was also found in that downstairs bedroom. All the doors had been locked, the lights snuffed out, and all the shades had been drawn, and if there weren't shades, uh, clothes had been placed over the windows. All the victims were found in their beds where they were asleep with articles of clothing draped over their faces. And that, if that sounds very familiar, it's because it should, especially if you listen to this show. It's the whole Amityville Ronnie DeFeo thing, who, just side note, Ronnie DeFeo uh, died a 
a few weeks ago. But, you know, it's that whole story of everyone was murdered in their beds and they didn't even seem to be awake. And how could that have happened with this loud gun? I mean, here, yeah, it's a very different thing. Uh, an axe, I, for some, for all intents and purposes, is quieter than a gun. I feel it probably causes more chaos. But, um, I don't know, I suppose you could have bludgeoned all these people to death and then just rearranged the bodies, put them back wherever, and, uh, draped stuff over their face. So it... So to me, at least, this whole, like, oh, they were found in their beds is a much more plausible thing here to uh, pull off. A much easier thing, maybe is a better word, to pull off than what happened in Amityville. It was thought that the murders took place somewhere between uh, midnight and five in the morning. There was a cigarette butt found in the attic, and it was thought that the killer broke into the home, waited in the attic until all eight victims fell asleep. The investigation yielded very little results or uh, usable evidence. This being 1912, it's not like there were a lot of cameras around the house. DNA had not been discovered, and even fingerprinting was sort of a new thing. The scene was not secured very well. Many townsfolk found their way inside and just traipsed through the house. There were like three entrances and everybody just kept coming and going trying to see what was going on. Some may have even stole souvenirs from inside the house, including a local pool hall owner by the name of Bert McCall, who was rumored to have taken a piece of Josiah Moore's skull. No one was ever caught and ultimately convicted of the crime, but there are several suspects. Take the Reverend George Kelly who was a traveling preacher who had been invited and was attending the Child's Day program. He was in town only for the day and left the next morning. And that is really everybody's kind of thought process to, it's that guy. He showed up, he was there for one day, and the next day he was gone. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess, but he's also a traveling preacher. Like, that's probably what he does every day. He was arrested for the murder of one of the victims. He didn't get arrested for all eight, but apparently they were able to get, him to get something to stick to one. And uh, his first trial ended in a hung jury, and his second trial found him not guilty. And after this, he moved away, and eventually he passed away at the, his burial secret. No one knows where, where he's buried now. In 1908, Josiah left his employer, one Frank Jones. He worked at uh, the Jones store for many years until he left to start his own implement company. Farming equipment is basically what we're talking here. And Moore also took with him a rather lucrative John Deere contract. This, along with some rumors that Moore had had an affair with Frank's daughter-in-law Donna, or Dona, I believe, Sorry, Dona. Many believe that Jones hired a man named William Mansfield to kill Josiah because of the John Deere contract and the rumors and all of that. Uh, Mansfield was a known cocaine addict who went under a couple of other names, such as Jack Turnbull and 
George Worley. He was also suspected of killing another family in Blue Island, Illinois, two years after Velisca. It was a very similar case. The whole family murdered with an axe. Then there is Henry Lee Moore, who, for all intents and purposes, was uh, probably a serial killer, who was suspected of killing around 25 people with an axe. He had been released from prison on April 11, 1911, on a forgery charge, so he would have been out and about around the time. The same year, a six-member family was killed in Colorado Springs. That case would be very similar to the Velisca murders, such as draping sheets or clothing over the windows. And of course, here it is, another big family killed with an axe. Henry Lee Moore was suspected in both cases, and he would be convicted of killing a mother and grandmother, but was never charged in connection with Velisca. Over the years, the house has, a, has acquired a rather haunting reputation. In modern times, it has become a hot spot for paranormal investigators. EVPs have been caught, furniture has been seen moving, and even the shadowy figure of a man, sometimes with an axe, has been seen stalking around the house. And that is one of the more interesting things that you'll hear about it. Uh, people will give, of course, accounts of seeing children, maybe the parents and all of that, but it seems a lot of, a lot of the activity seems to be something that is mimicking or, or tying itself to the murder and not so much the victims. There are, however, a couple of investigators who have had a much more frightening experience in the house. Take the tale of Buck Lorson, who got for his birthday a uh, overnight investigation of the house. He decided to recreate one of the crime scenes. He laid down on one of the beds with a knife on his chest. He didn't have an axe. And uh, for some reason, he started to provoke. This was not a good idea, as he did get a reaction, but not nearly the reaction he was expecting. He saw a gigantic orb emerge from a nearby closet. And I'm not a big orb fan, but he kind of describes this thing as being, like, big. Like softball size, I would almost assume. So I'll give him a little leeway on this. The next thing he remembers is uh, coming to with the knife sticking out of his shoulder. One of his family members removed the knife from his arm and he was taken to the hospital. And Buck's mother also captured a now destroyed EVP that seemed to say don't worry about Buck we'll get him. And then there is paranormal investigator John Worley, who caught another disturbing EVP. This one seems to call him out by name as well. It says, just kill John Worley. And uh, so I want to stop right here. Both of these tales, both of these stories, you can see these guys tell it in uh, Kindred Spirits, uh, Season 3, Episode 9. And I highly suggest that's a great show. Uh, if you can, if you have Discovery Plus or whatever and can get that episode, go back and watch that. Season 3, Episode 9. The episode is literally titled The Villisca Axe Murder House, so they don't bury the lead 
at all. And uh, you can watch these guys both tell their stories and you can see like just how much it scared them. Like one guy doesn't want to go back and uh, Buck re very reluctantly goes back and helps them out. But they went through something. You can see it in that episode. And uh, I noticed a couple of things when I started looking into this. And maybe you've noticed it too. I've used the name Worley twice. Uh, we've got John Worley, who is an investigator. And then we have uh, Mansfield, who sometimes went under the name George Worley. And uh, so that was the first little like weird name synchronicity I found. And I actually kind of tweeted that out earlier today, actually, to Amy Bruni and Adam Barry, who are the stars of Kindred Spirits, uh, asking if they had noticed that, knowing full well in the back of my mind that they probably did. Like, they do massive amounts of research. And it wasn't only a couple minutes later when Adam got back to me, and uh, this is what he said. It was like, he said, there is so much more to what you're saying. It's a long story. We never stop researching sometimes. Amy Bruni and I did indeed know about that, and we need to go back. Just kill George Worley? Question mark. Maybe we gotta go back. So yeah, now like the whole thing is like the EVP say George Worley, or did the EVP say John Worley? And then he goes, "There's so much more to what to it than what you're saying," which like just makes me think of a whole bunch of stuff. Like, is it possible that his name was George Worley, and the Mansfield thing was an alias, and uh, maybe these guys are related somehow, or? connected in some way that we don't know or who knows it was just a very a weird synchronicity with names and that wasn't the only one that kind of struck me uh, and I bet other people have noticed it too I talk about a serial killer named Henry Lee Moore and if you know anything about serial killers or true crime you're probably aware of Henry Lee Lucas who was uh, a serial killer that traipsed around the country in the 70s and a uh, notorious liar. He probably killed some people, but he didn't kill, I'm sure he probably didn't kill the hundreds of people that he claims that he did. But his name, Henry Lee Lucas, Henry Lee Moore. And then you've got Moore, which is also the last name of the family who owned the house. Just weird name stuff all over the place, all of which I found very interesting. Today, you can book a tour or even stay the night at the infamous Axe Murder House if you think that you can stand it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Elk Creek is an unincorporated community which is actually located in the town of Hale, a very small town with a population of 988. And other than the fishing, there isn't much to do in Elk Creek, Wisconsin, but the old Elk Creek Dam is another story. On February 15, 1974, Mary Chalice decided she was going to hitchhike from her dorm in Minneapolis to Chicago to catch an art exhibit. Mary was exceptionally bright. She spoke three languages and was working on a fourth. She had just graduated the year prior with honors from the University of Minnesota, and she was working on her master's degree in 1974. Mary bid her roommate goodbye on the morning of the 15th and started her journey to Chicago. Later that day, a man named Dennis Anderson was driving home after doing some shopping. He had his dog with him, and soon they found themselves driving the back roads of Dunn County, Wisconsin, just enjoying an afternoon drive. Eventually, he started down what would end up being a dead-end road, close to the dam. As he made his way down the road, he passed two men arguing beside a gold compact car. He drove past them, but soon felt that there was something going on, and he decided to turn around and make another pass, which was a dead-end road, he was going to have to do that anyway. This time, the car and the two men were gone. 
However, Anderson discovered that the car in the car's place was someone in the ditch, and they looked hurt. He hurried home, dropped off his dog, and told his wife what had happened. And then Anderson and his neighbor, Dan Murphy, returned to help the person on the side of the road. When they arrived, they were too late. The person on the side of the road was Mary Chalice, and she was dead. She had around 20 stab wounds all over her body with some sort of thin blade. The police found very little at the crime scene. There were some tire tracks in the snow, and they tried to take impressions, but the snow made it next to impossible. They also found a stocking cap with some hairs on it, but they were never able to match the hairs to anyone. In recent years, however, DNA has linked a man named Randall, Randall Woodfield to the scene. He is currently serving a 90-year sentence for another murder and has not confessed or been convicted of Mary's murder. In fact, he hasn't confessed to the other one, but he was convicted of that one. And uh, her murder remains unsolved. Since then, many have reported seeing a woman with brown hair walking down the road only to disappear when she is approached. Sometimes the apparition of a woman is seen around the remains of uh, the old Elk Creek Dam. And I put a picture in the show notes. It is really kind of this creepy, just tall building looking thing because the dam is pretty much gone. The woman appears as a white apparition, many times associated with an unexplained fog or a mist. The dam is close to where Mary body, Mary's body was found. The strange happenings around the dam were popularized by a paranormal investigator, Chad Lewis, who got a phone call sometime in the late 1990s. The person on the other end recounted a story of him and his friend fishing one night at the dam. One of the fishermen sensed something was off as the two fished and talked the night away. He looked over his shoulder to see a woman in white glowing in the night. The other man also knew that she was there, but he wasn't about to turn around. Eventually, both got up to nerve to have a look, and at that point, she was gone. Lewis and a college friend named Aaron decided to go and investigate the incident, as the dam was only 10 miles or so from where they lived at the time. One of the fishermen led them down the rocky hill to the site by the shore where they saw this woman in white. Chad and Aaron took some pictures and poked around without much happening. The only interesting thing to note was uh, when he and Aaron tried to take a picture of the same thing at the same time, just from different angles. For whatever reason, Aaron's camera simply would not work. It worked fine before, and after, but during this dual picture experiment, it simply would not comply. This is a film camera, by the way. Later, when they developed the film from Chad's camera, they came across a picture of Aaron attempting to get his camera to work with a strange mist swirling around him. This mist was not seen at the time. This intrigued Chad, and he went out again and this time with more investigators. This time, he 
he took a group down with him down to the water and another group stayed up by the road. While investigating, the team heard a sharp, shrill scream that echoed through the night. It sounded both human and metallic. No one had ever heard anything like it. At first, the team down by the water thought that it had to have been a passing car, but the team up top assured them that it was not. No car had gone by. The noise was heard by everyone, but it wasn't picked up on any audio or video equipment. Over the years, more stories of mist, uh, ghostly hitchhikers, and glowing women in white would come out, and many would attribute them to Mary Chalice, and perhaps rightly so. In 1994, a woman named Virginia, who lived next door to the dam, would often talk of an apparition of a woman matching Mary's description. This woman's spirit would always show up at the same times of day and tap on Virginia's windows, and she would answer to the name Mary. Sadly, Virginia passed away in 1995, but that story remains alive due to her daughter. Elkwood Dam is said to be a good fishing spot, but if you go fishing there, be ready, because you may find more than just fish near those waters. And there you go, those are tonight's stories. Uh, I think, like I said, uh, Velisca is very well known, but I don't think I don't think the Elk Creek Dam gets a lot of traction now these days. But I think it is a very intriguing story. Yeah, from the pictures, it looks like a very creepy place. Like I said, it's a dilapidated dam. I don't even think it spans the river anymore. Uh, I didn't put this in the story proper, but in Chad Lewis's book, he talks about how someone told him that construction crews, when they go down there to kind of tend to the ruins of the dam or whatever, uh, they have a hard time because their equipment always malfunctions or it just simply doesn't work, much like Aaron's camera. Uh, I didn't get a chance really to squeeze that into the notes, but I thought that was a very interesting anecdote as well. But that is uh, the towns for tonight, for this first episode. I'm going to uh, throw in a little intermission, a little music right now, and we'll come back with uh, the local headlines.
and we are back. And the true test of the new computer begins. Can I have three news websites open at the same time without the fan making any noise? Uh, so far, so good. As, as listeners know, this is a, a bane of my existence on every episode. Uh, but we're going to kick it off uh, with a story from Zimbabwe. This is from the zbcnews.co.zw, written by Tamuka Charakupa. And this is Chippenjee Man Falls Off Bike After Encounter with UFO. Chippenjee Man is recovering in the hospital after falling from a motorcycle, having been scared by an instant flash of light from an alleged unidentified flying object witnessed in parts of Chippenjee and, uh, I'm going to try, Shimani Imani on Friday evening. Now, recovering from a leg injury after being admitted to the Chippenjee District Hospital on Saturday, 47-year-old Chippenjee resident Richard Mayambo is yet to come to terms with what he saw on Friday evening following a strange, unidentified flying object. Mayambo fell from a motorbike when he witnessed a strange, instant flash of light and a deafening sound that followed thereafter. I was traveling home on my motorbike at around 9 a.m., when I witnessed a strange light traveling in the sky. I had to concentrate on riding, but what made me fall was the sound that followed after the light. I then fell on the bike due to the panic. I thought I was dying. Miembo initially thought it was one of those weird moments encountered at night before noticing a rocket light object. I was 100% sober, but I was so confused because I thought I had encountered those strange things people see in the dark in the thick forest. The object looked like a rocket with fire on its back. While authorities are yet to establish whether the unidentified flying object landed or not, the feature has set tongues wagging around the Chippingee residents, among Chippingee residents, sorry. Residents claim to have seen a bright light that was followed by a huge flow sound and a shaking, while others describe the event as a collision of two stars. Meanwhile, the District Meteorological Services Department confirmed that indeed the strange feature was witnessed, but are yet to release an official statement. And I also just want to point out, uh, some of these news stories might be a couple few weeks old. Uh, April Fool's was a few days ago, so I always try to find news stories that don't happen around that time so that they don't end up being... Uh, well, pranks, quite frankly. And uh, this next one is from WKYC.com. I don't know. Does this one have an author on it? Author, Kelly Matter and Hope Sloop. Uh, and this is uh, The Haunting of Lake County. Mentor residents spot ghosts in security and doorbell footage. This is in Mentor, Ohio. Mentor, Ohio. Well, there you go. Do you believe in ghosts? It's a question that many Lake County residents have found themselves asking over the past few weeks due to supernatural haunts caught on video. In recent weeks, members in Mentor Ohio Facebook groups have posted videos and images of a mysterious object or person. This mysterious image appears to be all white and moving very quickly. WKYC was able to obtain some of these images and videos from residents. Three News spoke with officials from the Mentor Police Department 
and were even able to retrieve the police reports based on the information that was sent. In the report, it states that police officers were dispatched on March 10th, my birthday, around 10.40 p.m. to the area of Bellflower Elementary in reference to a suspicious incident. The caller reported seeing a 70-year-old girl running northbound in the area. As one of the officers approached Wyatt's greenhouse, he spotted a child fitting the description from the caller. I was surprised by what I saw. The person appeared to be a small child, running rather erect and too quickly for a child, the report says. When the officer got out of the vehicle and I tried to catch the child, nobody was in the area. The officer continued along the building expecting to see a child crying or scared, but still no signs of anyone. Multiple other departments were searching the area and had no luck finding a child. After the search, the responding officers checked the dash cam footage, dash cam, ugh, footage and found no child on the dash cam video, which was saved as an investigative encounter. Shortly after trying to find the child on foot, the use of a canine, the drone team was deployed uh, to search for the responding area and did not locate anything suspicious. Is it really ghosts or could it just be young pranksters who know? And uh, you can check out that new story. It'll be on the show notes. Uh, there's some pictures. I'm not sure if there's video or not. Uh, they, the pictures might link to the YouTube videos of some of this, of this weird thing running around town. Intriguing. Intriguing to say the least. And the last one is from uh, my hero, Tim Banal, at Coast to Coast AM. And this is uh, a baby monitor photographs eerie figure. A spooky image circulating online shows an eerie figure lurking over the bed of a child, and the youngster's grandmother suspects that it is some kind of sinister entity. The unsettled woman, who prefers to remain anonymous, shared the photograph with a Facebook group devoted to the paranormal last week. According to her, the weirdness began when she noticed that her two-year-old granddaughter was talking to someone or some unseen person on a fairly frequent basis. These puzzling conversations initially sounded innocent until one night when she heard the little girl telling the visitor to go away. That worrisome moment inspired the grandmother to set up a baby monitor in the girl's room to see what might be behind the strangeness. As one might imagine, she was deeply unnerved when she later looked at the image captured by the camera and saw what was unquestionably a figure of some kind lingering near the granddaughter's bed. She insists that there was no one in the home who could have been mistaken for the odd intruder interloper, I'm sorry, in the room at the time, and the photo is not manipulated in any way. The woman went on to note the demonic appearance of the entity, which seems to sport horns and claw-like hands. In addition to the incident, the grandmother claims that there have been considerable amount of paranormal activity, including cabinets opening on their own and disembodied voices being heard. The family attempts to clean, attempted to cleanse the home by burning nettle salt and Palo Santo, but this only seemed to agitate whatever was causing all the commotion in the residence. 
Although the presidents in the residence have has left them understandably uneasy, the grandmother believes that it is not necessarily evil, as she gets the impression it simply wants their attention. She should that be the case, it most certainly accomplished its goal by way of its chilling appearance on the baby monitor. While the woman's suspicions that there may be a paranormal presence in their home have merit, the family might want to also ensure that all the doors and windows are secure, because the figure seen in the photo could very well be a human intruder with bad intentions, and I highly suggest you click on this in the show notes and take a look at uh, these pictures, because yeah, it looks like a person, and uh, they're a little out of focus, as they would be. It is a baby monitor, after all. And uh, they do have something that almost looks like horns on its head. They do have very strange hands. And it is in a, not a very low crouch position, but it is bent at the knees a little bit in a standing kind of kind of funky. Uh, definitely interesting pictures to take a look at. And that has been this week's local headlines. And now it is time for the Your Small Town's secret segment. And this episode, we have, like I said at the beginning of the show, an interview with uh, Garrett Kelly and Jeremy Puma of Liminal Map, a fascinating project that you'll you'll probably know for obvious reasons why I like it, just because it categorizes all of these strange happenings in towns, both uh, big and small. And uh, we get into it. Uh, we we talk all about it. Uh, I'll heap some praise on them at the beginning, and then we get into some strange encounters and just what the map is all about and how it's going to grow and how it has grown. And it just it's been a, it was a great conversation. So uh, I'm just going to get into it, and uh, I'll have links in the show notes where you can check it out and learn more about it and all of that great stuff. So here's the interview about uh, the liminal map and what it's all about and all that great stuff. But I just like I wanted to get you guys on because I wanted to, first I wanted to tell you like why I love the liminal map so much. Just just you know heap some praise at the very beginning. <laughs> so I have what is essentially a road map of Ohio, but like you know it, it unfolds like a road map. It's got all the streets and everything, mm-hmm. but like it also has like just. UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings and like true crime scenes and you know just all this stuff in it and I always thought to myself like I need this map for like every state (laughs) yeah with this it's kind of what is there and that's why I love it so much so I guess let's start give a quick introduction so we know who is who and just let it let everyone know like what inspired uh, this project. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll start. Um, so I'm Jeremy Puma, and uh, I'm I'm in Seattle, Washington, right now. And uh, go ahead, Garrett. Do you want to intro yourself, and then we'll. Yeah, I'm Garrett Kelly, and I live in Bremerton, Washington, which is across the water from Seattle. But I I had been in Seattle for. 15 years yeah yeah and um so we've been friends for a long time and uh we used we met kind of online uh during the old old days of blogging back in the 
early 2000s and have been kind of talking online since. Yeah. And, and, I have uh, a blog. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. No, feel free to. I used to have a blog that was very much like a paranormal type of blog, right? Never got a lot of traction other than like some weird UFO guy that would just spam <laughs> the comments section of every video rather, or every post. Whether it's <laughs> or not. And like, I, I can't even get into it anymore. Like, I don't remember any of the junk for it. Like, I can't even find it if I try to search it. But yet, somehow, every once in a while, still get a comment. Like, I just got one the other day that was like, you have the moderated comment. I'm like, I haven't posted anything in <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, sorry. Go on. No, that's cool. That's totally cool. <laughs> uh, what was it called? It was called The Pair of You. Oh. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know. I, maybe we, we. I wonder if we ran across each other back in those days. I don't know. Never know. I'm trying to think. I got a lot of traction. I remember with a story that was like a sea monster washed up on shore, but then like it just turned out to be like this guy would just go around and make these sculptures that look like sea monsters. <laughs> and that's what it was. But that was like my most popular. You know what I mean? My most viral story ever on there. That's funny. Yeah. Our our friend. We have there's like a third person that's kind of does stuff with us. Mm. He's like a shadow. Uh, <laughs> shadow I don't partner. Know what, what do you call yeah. it? A silent partner. Yeah, mm-hmm. he had a in his blog. It was really popular too. It's called uh, well, Papa Culture. I think was it changed names a couple times, but yeah. he had he. Uh, I remember I found him first because he was just like I want to be a, a a cult investigator. How do I do that? And that was like his blog. It was really great. Yeah. It. Um, but it, he got really popular. But then he started taking on. He decided to uh, take on Google, and he he started writing these weird posts just to see how the algorithm of like uh, Google scan. Yeah, he his, his blog got real strange. Anyway. <laughs> um. Yeah. So it was funny though. Jeremy and I uh, were writing these blogs about like weird paranormal stuff and things that were happening to us and then jeremy one day said hey uh i noticed that you live in seattle we should like meet up and i was like oh yeah cool we've been talking you know through the comment section for like a year and we turns out we lived across the street from each other and we we had no idea uh so we we just been in our little bedroom you know bedrooms like chatting online for that long and literally neighbors so yeah it was pretty odd and we still ne- uh, you know mainly talk online but mm-hmm. <laughs> right but now like now we have the maps we actually do we actually see each other more now going we go out and you know check out these spots that people put on the map yeah pre- yeah more, more in, in pre-covid times of course but yeah 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 so um yeah for the map itself uh so we've just been talking for a long time and we had kind of this database where we were putting in like dreams and like weird things that would happen to us and stuff like that and um you know supernatural events and and one day we thought well what if we put it on a map and we both had this thought kind of simultaneously and uh so we did it it was it started off as liminal seattle it was just you know kind of focused on uh this area the greater seattle area um and and we put it up and it just kind of took off and like the Seattle Times wrote up an article on it and, you know, it started getting a bunch of play and Vice ended up writing an article on it. And um, then we we just ended up opening it up to the whole world. And ever since then, we've just kind of been 
like rolling with it and people have been submitting stuff pretty steadily so we're pretty happy about it there was a there also is a couple other influences i think is uh, we were reading uh lord of the rings um or talking about it a lot of the time so i think we were thinking of the map almost like where is the mordor of seattle or in kind of this like mythologizing uh, our you know seattle itself right um, and, and like thinking of it mm-hmm. in that kind of magical way so that's i think what one influence that really got to us and i think um I mean, like, obviously, Mordor is where Amazon is located, the Hellmouth right there. Right. Uh, kind of destroying, <laughs> destroying Seattle. That's another thing, too, I think, is that uh, Seattle, last, especially the last five, seven years, has gone through a, a lot of changes because of Amazon. And I think we were kind of like, um, I, I know I was, like, mourning the loss of some places and thinking about, like, you know, just putting these on the map was kind of like staking i don't know how to say it like um kind of like um just like but, go ahead i was like making seattle weird again like right <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, right and like, like everywhere weird again and <laughs> reclaiming it a little bit man. yeah exactly yeah and like tracking like this was this is an important place with history you know it has lots of history so it's just it was just like a re- way to like um yeah take it back a little bit mm-hmm. um, and there was also like a map at the time too that of like uh that russia had created of like a secret hidden seattle of what they thought seattle was like it was like an alternative view of um of seattle it just like all this stuff like at the same time kind of influenced us so uh yeah that's where it came from and i i think like it's it's really interesting is when we started doing the map uh, and people are putting things on it, there's places that I'd lived there 15 years I had never heard of. Like there's this place called the Wedgwood Rock, which is this giant glacial rock that's just in someone's front yard, um, like in their lawn. And it's huge. Um, like house-sized huge. Like it's... <laughs> And so I I never heard of this place and it, like it has lots of like history and kind of like a um you know like a spiritual feel to it I think people for a long time people have felt that way about it so it's just such a cool thing to like you know learn about your town and like every little corner there's you know the history around it Mhm Okay So so okay, I'm gonna jump in, jump ahead because you mentioned the Hellmouth. Mm. I was, I was, I was just kind of skimming. Like I didn't get a chance to sit down and read everything, just because the way my day has gone. But what exactly do you like? What is, so I, I didn't realize it had something to do with Amazon. Is that is that what the Hellmouth is? Is just like the eating of Seattle by what appears to just be the modern machine, or I don't know. I guess expand on what on what that is i found that very interesting how you you brought it up in that one interview uh, that one article jeremy Jim. well uh, it kind of i mean so, so originally when we didn't think that this map was going to get you know we thought it was just going to be like something kind of funny that we were going to do with our friends right and you know, and so we we put some markers on there originally um, that I, w- I don't want to say they're like 
we we wanted to all right i should back up let me back up by saying <laughs> we don't we we never wanted this map just to be like paranormal stuff right like okay. we, we didn't want yeah. it to just be like ghosts and ufos and cryptids and and all the normal stuff that people see we want that i mean that's like a substantial mm-hmm. portion of what the map is but we also want it to be um sort of an exercise in like creative imagination kind of you know not like something that's fake but something that like gives the landscape or gives the area around you more meaning um and so one of the earliest ones we did was kind of pick up on some of the um like uh resentment kind of locally that's felt (laughs) towards amazon as like this big company that's here and like has done so much to the landscape of Seattle for good or ill um, and kind of like make that into something that's more mythological. Um, So, Mm. you know, this, this area where Amazon basically used, you know, where they moved in and it's not just Amazon in this particular area, but they're sort of the main influence. Um, It used to be this kind of cool old uh, area full of like these warehouses and, you know, little shops and and coffee shops and stuff and now it's this like sterile um like plain like uninteresting um you know very very like white (laughs) um just sort of not not it's not as it's not as fun to go down there anymore and so it was almost in a way like there was this sort of like psychic drain on that part of the landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what we were going for when we put that on there. And yeah, I mean, admittedly, it was a little tongue in cheek, but, is, yeah. um, you know, it, but it's uh, on the other hand, you know, for those of us who have lived here for a while, it is there's like there is actually sort of, a, you know, dare I say, like metaphysical difference between what it used to be like and what it's like now when you walk down there. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I talk about that all the time. Not so much, but, like, I always, like, I always use Point Pleasant as a great example. Like, rather you believe in Mothman or not, when you go to a place like Point Pleasant where you know this weird thing may or may not have happened, like, there is an energy in the air. You know, like, there's Mm -hmm. a buzz in the air. And... I see where you're getting at, like for good or bad, like there if you when you go there now, that energy has changed, right? And you can feel it. Like it used to be this and now it's this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So did like, that did that sound right, Garrett? Was that Yeah, totally. I mean that's actually <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that it, yeah, the map has morphed a little bit, you know. Yeah. Now, but I think that yeah, what how Jeremy explained it definitely um it's kind of what we're aiming towards but we also like uh i'm just wondering if this is like the the opposite end of that is like the jeremy and i both went like uh to some fairy villages this weekend i Uh, saw that yeah with the uh and there's like what was that oh yeah i saw that on i think it was instagram a little bit ago about oh you posted something about like don't eat these they'll make you Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> What's it called? It was like, yeah. cabbage. Stump, yes, yeah. cabbage. I knew it was cabbage, but I can't remember what came in front of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think like um, you know, there's like there's like I think the way I think about the thing, things like this is like you can go with intention and 
and kind of going to these places uh, with a mindset that like there's something magical about them. Um, and there's always like a, you know, like a probable explanation for how things got to be the way they are and you can like explain it away. But it's fun to kind of live in that little play world a little bit. It's I, Especially we have both have kids. So it's fun to take them. For me, it's fun to take them there and have this kind of active imagination and not have so much, you know, not worry too much about like proving things and, and just kind of having fun with it. So it's kind of the opposite of the Amazon world that's just sterile and and uh-huh. they've ter- and they've made this place terrible, and and here we are going out into the into the forest in these special places that feel like they really feel magical when you get in this kind of mode when you're out there. And Jeremy found a mystery pretzel in the in the, in the ferns. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys started it with like you know recording your own dreams and experiences and stuff like could you would you you guys have like a favorite one of your own experiences to share with everyone a good I don't know I want to say paranormal but just strange experience that one of you guys have had or both of you have had that you could uh, entertain us with Jeremy has a good story about the the doll and the fan Oh I should should I tell about that one I mean, if you feel comfortable talking about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I can, yeah. I can, I can tell that one. Yeah, sure. It's a, and it, it's, it's actually on the map, so that's, that's probably. Oh yeah, good. I figured like yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Well, I mean, so I, I uh, we've like I know I, I personally have tried to um, add less stuff to the map since the very beginning, specifically for, you know, because we don't want people to think we're like, just front loading it with our own stuff, you know. Um, but this is one that was too cool, so I had to put it there. So I grew up in Florida. Um, I grew up in a, a town called St. Augustine. I don't know if you've, you might've heard St. Augustine. Um, there's that yeah, lighthouse, the lighthouse there. Like, yeah. 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 Everybody there's been, everybody, every paranormal show in the whole world has been to the yeah, haunted totally. lighthouse. Yeah. Which is funny to me because there's so many different things there that are cooler Ooh. that if they talk to locals, they would, they would find out more about, but that's a subject for a different time, I think. <laughs> um, but I lived there for, you know, I grew up there. I was born and raised there and uh, I moved out to Seattle um, in 1998 uh, in my early 20s, but um, when I was much younger, I sort of had this, um, well, she started off as kind of a, uh, a babysitter camp counselor, but as I grew older, we became friends. Um, she was this woman named Willie, and um, she was basically, uh, well, I would describe her as kind of this um, swamp witch, kind of, like she was a, like a folk magic witch who had like psychic powers. Um, and she was like into like new age stuff and, but she was also into like metaphysical stuff and she was into magic and, and she was just this really sort of interesting person. Um, and she also, you know, she, she babysat kids. (laughs) And, uh, so my brother and I would spend, you know, summers uh, over at her house and when we were really young and she would always like sneak UFO books to me and stuff. Mm. Um, and because my dad was like, Oh, I don't want, I don't want to, you know, have him read, read stuff like that. But, um, so anyhow, like as I grew older um, and started getting into high school and college, um, I became just more friends with her and we would go over and, and talk with her. And, you know, sometimes my college friends and I would come along with her because she was just like a really cool, interesting, nice person with really interesting stories to tell. Um, and uh, she was she was just a character. Um, she was also like an old 
St. Augustinian. Like she had lived there for her whole life and her family had been there. And she used to have like this way of recounting stories that was, was really kind of folky. And she'd be like, oh yeah, me and my husband, Charles, were sitting on the back porch drinking coffee last night. And, you know, we just saw a Bigfoot walk by and uh, we just, then we went inside and we watched a show and, you know, just sort of like very like nonchalant, like this was her life and it was like normal to her. Um, and she was very much like a kind of an early sort of mentor for me about the way of thinking about these things. Um, so the story in particular that I like to tell, because it's fascinating and weird, is uh, this was I was in college and one of my friends and I went over to her house one afternoon just to chat and and we were talking. <laughs> and um, so she also had a doll collection. So she, one of her dreams one day was to actually open a museum of dolls. So her house like was covered like wall to wall with all these different kinds of dolls from all over the place. And it wasn't just like fancy dolls. It was like if she saw a doll at um, the local thrift store, you know, she'd buy it and then like look into it and stuff like that later. She just liked dolls. So in her sitting room, we were surrounded by dolls on all sides um and then while we were talking she also had this fan and i can only describe this fan by so her husband uh was like a small appliance repairman um so they had a bunch of like old stuff that he would just repair and it would still work and this was some fan it must have been like from the 50s or something it looked like a shop vac you know like a cylinder it just sat there oh okay yeah and then it had this fan inside that spun um, and it was just there. It was almost like a, like a swamp cooler. I don't know if you're familiar with a swamp cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, it would cool off the room. So we were just sitting there and she was telling us that her mother had recently passed away. I think it was only a week prior or something like that. And we were just chatting with her about what we were doing in college. And she was chatting about her neighbors. And then she said, oh, and my mom, uh, sometimes still comes to visit. In fact, I think she's here right now. And as soon as she said that, the fan started to spin at like a different rate. I mean, it was in the middle of the floor. Nobody touched it. It just, it was going vroom, 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 and then it would go vroom, 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 vroom. It just started speeding up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my friend and I looked at each other and she was like, oh, hi, mom. I'm here meeting with these boys and we're just talking. And, you know, it's nice to know that you're around and coming for a visit, but uh, definitely uh, come back later and, and we'll talk a little more then. And so as soon as she said that, one of the dolls on the wall said, Mama! Like, clear as a bell. Mm-hmm. And so my friend Ken and I, were like, we looked at each other, we're like, what? what? And she laughed, and she was just like, oh yeah, that's definitely Mama. And then she uh, said, okay, Mom, thanks now. I'm going to get back to talking with the boys. And when she said that, the fan started slowing down again. And then she said, you see that doll that made that noise. She says, I happen to know something about it. And so she took this doll down off the shelf and opened the back and there were no batteries in it. Mm. So it obviously, you know, it had just said mama and like, we had no idea why. And so we were a little, we were a little weirded out by that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No batteries. Yeah, unfortunately, she's she's passed on a few years back now, but yeah. um, he was just she was an amazing, amazing character. I do like a good doll story. Yeah, those are always a good one. Like I had 
uh, some friends, and this isn't like scary or anything. It just made me think of it, or like you know, paranormal in any sense or spooky. But like they were looking for their first house. You know, they'd seen I don't know how many houses. I remember they were talking about how they went to one one time, like a showing, mm-hmm. and it was just full of doll parts. Oh my! The entire house was just like heads <laughs> in one room and legs in another. Like they didn't buy that house, but uh, <laughs> yeah, doll parts. I wonder so, who did. Like who would buy? Who would buy? I don't know. Like yeah, like <laughs> I'm assuming someone just had a hobby and it just got out of hand. I would hope, yeah. but like. You know, you never know because no one's ever there when you do the showing. You know, right? Uh, that always made me, whenever I hear about a good a doll story, that one always makes me chuckle. Um, I was wondering, so like people can just submit. We might we might get that into the end on how people can, you know, be we can get in there and submit their stuff and all that. But I was wondering, do you guys have any like favorite submissions? Are there ones that? that you've, like, seen pop up that have really, like, struck a chord or have been very memorable that people have submitted? Oh, I had the last story. I'll let Daguerre take this one on because I did the last story, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, like, I mean, I, there's one I like that we talk, tell, tell a lot, but I really like the sandwich from hell. Um, story. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, just like some people in Mount Lake Terrace or, or like there's a person named, no, it was for uh, uh, Lake Forest Park. Is that where it was? Lake Forest Park. Yeah. yeah, Lake yeah, Forest like, Park. yeah. So there was this person um, who was waiting for the bus late at night um, at this bus stop and there was no one else around and they had waited for a while and then the bus showed up. And they got on the bus, and it was one of those, I think it was one of those accordion buses that are really long. So they went down to the back of the bus, and all of a sudden, three other people got on the bus. And she was like, where were they? They weren't waiting for the bus. <laughs> and they came all the way down to the back, and they sat next to her. And she's like, great. Like, you could sit anywhere. You have to sit next to me. And so she's sitting there, and she hears them start saying, are you ready? Are you ready? And she's like, oh, great. They're going to, like, rob me. And so she's terrified. But then one of them just pulls out this giant uh, sandwich, like a foot long. And she's like, oh, thank goodness. You know, they're just going to eat a sandwich. Okay, I'm not going to get mugged here. And then the person with the sandwich opened up the wrapper and, like, peeled the um, bread back. And then in between, like, the meat and the cheese... There were these little moist towelettes, like the little package towelettes you would use to clean your hands. Yeah. Were they in the the package or were they out of the package? Yeah, they were still in the package. And the person handed them out to the other two people, and they all cleaned their hands with them and then cleaned their jackets. And then they threw the sandwich on the ground and they just kicked it away. They didn't eat it. And that's the end of the story, but it's so bizarre to me, and it feels uh, yeah. like a strange, like uh, a dream, like a Twin Peaksy David Lynch like nightmare scenario. That's just right. like gives you the chills, like, and also like I remember reading those like like the Mothman prophecies and these encounters with like men in black and people knocking on the door asking for salt and just eating the salt out of their hand. Right, or and. It just doesn't make pen. any 
being that? really excited about it. Getting a pen and being really excited about right. it. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't. It just feels off for some reason. And it. it, it, it and I, those are my favorite kind of stories, where they just they feel like you've got you know something else broke through into our world and. Yeah, I don't. They're so unexplainable, um, and they just get me thinking about like, what is this phenomena that you know? What, especially when it breaks the conventions of just like you, you know, little green men or whatever. So that's one of my favorites. Yeah, those are always good because they, yeah, you're like you said, they buck tradition. You know, they buck like there's just something. Like, what did you just encounter? Did you just encounter, like, a bunch of people just tripping on something? Or did you encounter, like, (laughs) something, some weird interdimensional beings that don't quite know how to act where they're on, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. Like, they were trying to be, they they were trying to uh, present themselves as, you know, normal. Yeah. (laughs) Doing a (laughs) whole Yeah. Like, they had some mission, and they pulled it off and took, you know, everything they had to act correctly, and now they're done, and they get to celebrate with whatever it is they needed to do with that sandwich and those. And the exactly, yeah. <laughs> I remember I had We can had let this... our hair down a little bit now. <laughs> I remember I had this dream once about um, these two, like, time traveler kind of creatures, who were in like a car in the desert driving really fast to find me and they had giant Hershey bars they were eating because they were like on earth and at this time and they wanted to like sample the local food and and it was it was kind of a nightmare but I remember I went out and bought Hershey bars and carried them around with me in case I would encounter them in real life Um, but it reminds me of that It's it's like people kind of coming and not really knowing the conventions totally uh, right great. can you hear my dog barking i can hear a dog barking that's my dog i'm, I'm sorry assume that's, that's all right <laughs> i always like i think people by this time realize like skype interviews are always a little you know what i mean you kind of yeah you're gonna get it's not you know it's okay <laughs> um, I just want to point out for everyone. So I'm scrolling around on the map here a little bit, and everyone knows I lived in the Bay Area for like a summer, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to see like what was there. And it's kind of funny because there's only like two, mm-hmm. and one of them, I don't even need any any verification. But there's a guy named uh, Taylor who's like a friend of the show. And there's only it's so funny because there's only two of them and one is right by where he lives and it says submitted by Taylor as soon as I clicked on it. I'm like, <laughs> that, has, that has to be him and he'll listen to this and be like, yes, that was me. So, haha, uh-huh, we found you yet again, Taylor. That <laughs> um, was a UFO sighting, right? Yes, yes. He's uh he helped out. Uh, he popped up the first time he ever got a hold of me because I did like a a chow a chow. Uh, I'm gonna say it wrong and this is a chowchilla bus kidnapping episode. Which really takes place more in Pleasanton than it does in Chowchilla. Because mm. they, like, kidnapped all these kids on a bus down there and then drove it up to Pleasanton and, like, you know. And he uh, and he lives there and he was like, hey, I can drive around and, like, get you some pictures and stuff like that. And he's in, like, he's in, like, the, you know, the paranormal, like, Greg and Dana's paranormal uh, museum group and all of that. And he yeah. Up, somehow he 
finds his way into the show all the time like this without <laughs> even trying. So that, I grew that? up around that area, actually. Yeah. I lived in Hayward for like uh-huh. three or four months. Yeah. Um, so people can get in, right? They can just go on what, liminal.earth uh, slash submit mm-hmm. and uh, submit their own stories. Are there other ways? Because didn't you guys, don't you guys also have like, I don't know what they're called. I want to say ambassadors or something that you could also be to like help find. I remember someone asking me to do that one time and I couldn't do it. I just was like, with all the books and all the stuff I have to do for the show, I was like, I don't know if I could take that on. Are there other ways other than just submitting that people can uh, get involved with the project if they want? Yeah, I mean, the ambassador program has, has actually really been really cool. Um, so we have this, it's like the ambassador program. What it, All that really means mm-hmm. is that somebody who's interested in this stuff, um, you know, signs up to be an ambassador um, they basically, you know, you just sign a quick form that says, like, we're not going to defame you and <laughs> we're not going to put weird stuff on the map. And, um, you know, unless it's actually weird. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and then, you know, they get access to our Discord server, our chat server. Um, and then that person sort of um, would go because, you know, the, a lot of the places that, that we would like to find stories from people are you know, little neighborhood Facebook groups or, um, you know, local historical societies and stuff like that. And, you know, the two of us together can't really do that. And plus it makes it a lot more impactful if somebody from a community goes in there and says, hey, I'm with Liminal Earth and, you know, we have this map and I'm wondering if anything weird has happened to you in our local community. Um, and so then th- that person would sort of go out there and, and solicit stories from and submissions from people you know on behalf of the map and add it and uh so we've had this program going for a while and we have like we've had some people come in and out of it but there's this core group of um you know like probably six to ten people out there who um are just going out there and talking to people about it and having fun and and you know we chat a lot um on online and send each other weird stories and and so that's definitely a lot of fun uh, and if somebody wants to, to sign up for that for their area, you know, all you just do is is let us know and we can give you the details. Just uh, send us a send us a, a note. Um, yeah. So the ambassador program is pretty cool. We want to eventually, you know, have even more ambassadors and do really cool stuff. You know, we want people to have like badges and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you open your like trench coat like, and there's like a little like badge. Like FBI. Yeah, exactly. Like, badge with, uh, thing. Yes. You know, yeah. So if you want to be like a real life Mulder or Scully, then like this is definitely uh, one chance for you to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, admittedly, things have been a little bit slow, you know, over the past year for obvious reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But but we still get, you know, we have some really active ambassadors in like uh, the Massachusetts area. And um, we got a guy over in the, the UK who's great, Duncan, who helps us out a lot. Um, and then we also have uh, we've we've just started giving um, a couple of our ambassadors the the ability to curate stories and actually add them to the map themselves, um, which has been pretty cool. Um, so, you know, that's definitely one way to do it, uh, to, to work with us if people are interested in doing something more than just submitting. Right. Got you. I just wanted to make sure I touched on that in case anyone, you know, I remember someone I can't remember who it was. Um, 
put something out one time on Twitter about it, and I was like, I should, I should, I wonder if I could. But I just think, you know, with everything I got going on, I don't know. But I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that would like to take you up on that offer. Um, that awesome. Yeah. Um, I need to know about shrimp. I need to, I need to understand. I, I, I know that you kind of touched on this in other shows, but um, it seems that shrimp have kind of become your de facto mascot. Like you guys have a podcast too, and when you click on it and it goes anchor to your little podcast page, your your artwork is that of of a shrimp. And so why don't we like? Can you expand and let everyone know what that is all about? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> when I, uh, when we first started the map, I was still living in Seattle and I ended up moving over to Bremerton and Jeremy looked up, he's like, I wonder if there's any strange, you know, cryptids or anything out on the Kitsap Peninsula where I moved. Mm-hmm. And he found, this, he found this story from, um, strange magazine that came in from the, I think like the nineties. And it's the story that someone uh, called in and said and left a voicemail about how back in like 1948, uh, she was down in um, the basement of this house in Bremerton. Her name was Virginia Staples. And she was doing the laundry. And she explains how the landlord had told her that there was these holes in the walls that went all the way down to the water. Because we, I live, we live near the the waterfront. And as she was doing her laundry, she felt like something was behind her. So she turned around and she saw this giant six foot creature that had antenna, and it was orange and it had all these little hands, and of, it like obviously terrified her. Um, and it was just like staring at her. So she ran upstairs. She like packed her bag. She like got the heck out of there. And, and it was she moved back to Seattle and she had ended up going to the aquarium there and she saw a shrimp in the uh, in the aquarium and she said that looks like what I saw you know only she was like six foot tall so of course that's all the story that there is and there's no it's just so bizarre you know it's just like this shrimp cryptid um and so when I moved here, I started getting really into like, okay, where was this? She says a street, so I've been like searching for that. Um, hold on a second. Okay. I I ended up like looking up census records to try to find this person, and I uh, I found what I think is her daughter and her grandson, and I wrote a letter to her daughter who's like in her 80s now. Um, and I wrote this letter like, did your mom ever see a giant shrimp? <laughs> Branson wrote back to me, but he, she didn't. And she, he's like, I don't think my my grandma, I don't think that's my grandma. So uh-huh. I think it is, according to my records, but they just don't want to. They don't, I don't think they want to be involved in the shrimp. The shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's that grandma shrimp stories again. <laughs> <laughs> but like I have a costume and I wear quite a bit. Um, to conventions and uh, around town and like the paper in, in Bremerton like uh, you know it's written about it and um, I've even like we have a state senator who lives in town her name is Emily Randall and she actually put a bill in Congress and and like a state legislature 
to make Bigfoot our, you know, uh, the official Washington cryptid. Yeah. And so I, I I've been lobbying her and that. like sending people to message her saying like, like what the heck are you doing? You live in Bremerton. You need to, you need to, um, champion Shrimpy here. Right. Everyone has a Bigfoot. Yeah. Like, come on. Every state's got a Bigfoot. Not every state has, yeah, a six foot tall shrimp cryptid. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, she actually addressed it on her face, like, her official Washington, you know, congressperson Facebook page about, like, well, I'm, you know, I'm maybe being swayed here. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's really awesome, actually. So, um, yeah, I think, like, I, I'm just been pushing this, like, making, you know, trying to get Bremerton t- to take it on as a mascot. And, like, like a, I don't know, I just... Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. Right, it's something like it's unique. It's something right. It's very unique, special to thing. Yeah. All right. It's That's... funny because people sometimes um say like that maybe I am the shrimp that she saw. Um, and I, I've been mm. wondering about yes. that a lot. Yes. Um, and one of the stories that did happen to me, a real thing that did happen to me, um. When I was younger in Seattle, I was cooking, I was living in like a vegan straight edge house and I was cooking on the stove, like some tofu scramble or something. And I, all of a sudden I saw something out of the corner of my eye and I turned and there was this thing looking at me. Um, and it freaked me out. But what really freaked me out, because people in our house said they'd seen a ghost, all this yeah. stuff. But the thing that was looking at me looked like me. And it was like myself looking at me being confused mm-hmm. and it went away really quick. Um, and I like returned to this thing over and over and over again. And one of the ideas I have about it is like, about like, like, can you go back in time that way? Like by just obsessing about something so much and like being so nostalgic, like, did I, am I in some kind of loop there? And I, and I wonder about the shrimp thing, because I do tend to have this, like, weird, like, getting stuck on something and, and like, staying in it for a long time. So I wonder if I really am that shrimp going back. I'll, I'll, I'll tell <laughs> you like, what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it is. Your, your Hershey-eating time travelers are going to come right. when you're in that shrimp costume, kidnap you for whatever reason. <laughs> And zoom you back in time, and then yes, you are going to be your own shrimp cryptid, and that you know. So yeah, it's like all coming together. The other thing is, I do have a, t- a letter from a time traveler too that my friend Jake found um, that says something like, you know, thanks you for believing in time travel. Please write back, Jared. And so I have this time travel letter, and then like ten years later. Uh, Jim from the, the from the blog Euphemet, I don't or that mm-hmm. podcast Euphemet. Yeah, yeah. He and I put together this time travel party uh, based on this letter I, I had. Right. I remember you guys talking about that. Where we, uh, because like we, had, I'd heard that like Stephen Hawking had a time travel party uh-huh. where he invited all time travelers to come, but but he didn't send out the invites or make it official until the day after the party because he said, you know. Right, exactly. If there is a real time travel party, um, time travelers don't they can wait until after the event to to show up to, to hear about it. 
So I was like, well, maybe you just threw a like a not so good party. Like maybe you need like a you know have like bands and stuff. So we had like a big event. We invited all time travelers, and so I do wonder like, you know, did did I do did I do that? Did I mess something up um, <laughs> by having this party? <laughs> Yeah. You switched timelines on us, and I we're, yeah. we're still paying paying the price. <laughs> this is all your fault. Right. Yes. All right. I think so. If you guys have anything else you want to touch on that I didn't mention, or if you want to plug, like I know you guys got merch. You guys have the Oracle deck, which I own, which is kind of mm. cool, and cool. all of that. Anything else that you you know want to plug? Want to any final thoughts you've got? Uh, now I think is the time. I wanted to say real quick that we we have a TikTok that we just started. Um, oh boy! Yeah, I know. Like this, like I tried young... it. I couldn't do. Oh uh, yeah. Nope. 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 Same. Same. But some younger people found the the map and started making TikToks about it, and then all of these people started submitting to the map. So we're like, okay, I guess we okay. got to do this. Yeah. yeah. It's actually been a lot of fun because we can go out and like film where we're going. So um, I just think that's like if you can. If you can stand to get on it, um, it's kind of a fun new thing to do, and it's like people are <laughs> kind of responding pretty well. You know, like young people especially are like really excited about all this. So, and I think yeah. it, it, we're it, really what we want is more people to submit to the map for every area. Mm-hmm. So the more we can get out, because like as Jeremy said, we can't do it all. We need everyone in their towns to like submit what is going on in their place. So, yeah, yeah that's a avenue for everything. Yeah, definitely. Submissions are really, really, I think, what we're, try- we're trying to get. Because, I mean, ideal, like, we do have a lot of stuff on the map, which is awesome. I mean, we have, I think, the latest count is somewhere around 800 entries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've been getting a lot more. And, you know, thanks to, to TikTok, we've got some in some places that, like, Australia. I guess there are people who like TikTok a lot in Australia, and so we've gotten a few Australia entries now, and you know a bunch of other places too. But you know, we yeah, really want to fill it up. In, like South Africa. South Africa was in yeah, a lot of yeah. a bunch in a bunch in like Brazil and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so we're getting them from around the world, but um, you know, it would be really cool. So the 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 coolest thing of all would be that if we had a tool that. If you are going anywhere in the world and you like your like your Ohio map, if you're going anywhere in the world and you're like, I want to know what kind of, you know, interesting things have happened to people in this area, you can like open up this map and there'll be something in your town. And needless to say, we're like light years away from that. I mean, we have. whole Yeah, that would be like a really fun app. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we have some entire states in the U.S. I know a guy who lives in Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know, but there's like, like Nebraska, we don't have anything from Nebraska yet or South Dakota. Um, you know, we've only got like one from like West Virginia. I mean, one from West, yeah. come on, West Virginia. Do you like, have want... anything from, let me look here from Wyoming. Uh, we have one in Wyoming and we just yep, got right it. at right. Yep. In the only town yeah. in Wyoming a bit. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, who, I mean, there's probably not as many people who live there, so that makes a certain amount of sense, but nonetheless, like. So get, generating submissions is really what we're hoping for. So, you know, we are not like debunkers. Like we have no interest in debunking stuff. I mean, if it's an obvious hoax, then we probably won't put it up. If it's like offensive right. or appropriative, we won't put it up. But beyond that, like we're not going to get a submission and say, that didn't happen to you. Like we want to put it up. Like we 
honor the experiences people have. So liminal.earth slash submit, or just go to liminal earth. And after you're done checking out some of the entries, hit click here to add your story um, and oh, just yeah. inform and send it off. And that's really the, that would be the, the coolest thing of all is just to get lots of entries. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, I just noticed. I thought this was kind of cool. You guys have like tr all like the triangles on here too. I just noticed that like the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle and like, you know, little triangle. Like what's this little one over here? Or vortexes and stuff like that on here too. Yeah, yeah, we I try and get any of that. that mm-hmm. All right. But we can always add more. So if anybody knows, yeah, I was going to say is um, <laughs> right. Oh, I just what was what's that one? I'll have to go back and see it. Not, There's one that's like the that's not on there. That's like the Bridgewater. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Triangle, you're thinking I, of, did, yeah. I did two episodes on it. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that one's supposedly pretty amazing, but we don't we don't have that on there yet because we we're waiting for people to submit it. So it's actually like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. That would be cheating, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> awesome. All right, so. I think I'm good, and like I said, unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in there, we're at, wow, we're at almost 50 minutes, so cool. it's not a bad little thing at all, really. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, thank I guess you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And there you have it. That is episode 601 uh, done and in the books. Just a couple of things before we get out of here. Uh, if you have an experience, a small town secret to share. There are plenty of ways that you can get it to me. Check out stscast.com. If you scroll down to the main, to the bottom of that main page, there's an email form to fill out. That's probably the most organized, quickest way to get it to me. And I'll know exactly that it's supposed to be an experience and all that. Uh, and while you're there, check out all the other stuff on the website show notes, pictures, uh, merch, you know, other ways you can support the show, just all sorts of everything, small town secrets on stscast.com. You can also find me on the social medias, uh, Twitter, Facebook are both at at stscast and Instagram is at stscast.gram. So you can get, you can get a hold of me through there. Uh, if you just want to engage with me or if you also, if you know, you want to share your experience that way, but there are many ways to do it. There are many ways to uh, get at me and we can do whatever you got an article. You want to submit a story that you've written about your encounter, you know, get on and have an interview or even send in like a pre-recorded thing that I can just throw in the uh, show here. It all works. We'll figure it out. Uh, don't be shy. Uh, we, we love weird stories around here and, uh, want to share as many as uh, as I can, as we can. Also, if you are on Patreon, this Backroads episode for next week is going to be another tale from the most gruesome hauntings in the Midwest as we talk about the Witch Grave in Chesterville, Illinois. Uh, a short but sweet one, a very interesting little tale. So that's what you have to look forward if you are on Patreon. Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, support for supporting. Uh, if you can, please leave a rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice, especially if it's iTunes. And uh, just, if you like the show and you know a friend, 
that would also like the show, tell them about it. Everybody that listens can get one other person to listen, and we automatically double the audience of this show. And uh, that's it. So I'm out of here. Until next time, remember, every town has a secret. What is yours? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.